The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. Alright Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. This is the CarCast after USC's 30-27 loss to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in South Bend. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Springer. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Our email address is Troy at fansite.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's Bruin show? Yeah, I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. What a game that was. USC loses 30-27. to 27. Uh, Keaton Slovis has now lost every road start that he's ever started by a score of 30-27. to 27. Yeah, did, did that feel familiar to you, Michael? Did it Did it just... It, it, it did. I mean, what, was it more BYU or was it more Washington for you? It was very Washington. And now I'm just going to ask, like, who, who said it was going to be more... Who said that it was going to be like the Washington game? I just want to hear you say it out loud. Uh, my co-host, Michael Castillo. That's right. Might have said that this game would be like the Washington game. That's right. And it was. That's right. And it was. It was. I can't even say it was more demoralizing than that game because. I, like, I, I don't. The definition of insanity is sort of doing the same thing over and expecting different different results. So we saw the same thing. We got the same results. Um, you can you can choose. We what are we going to talk about tonight, Michael? Are we going to have the argument where we talk about the moral victory that USC achieved by losing by just three points? Are we going to talk about how the defense uh, was valiant and they tried, but ultimately still gave up thirty points? Are we going to talk about? The offense that could move the ball but still struggled to put up more than 27 points? Are we going to talk about the special teams that uh, continued to make miscues left and right, uh, that, that put their team in a hole? Are we going conti- are to are, are have the argument about how this team is doing the same thing that we expect them to do? Are we going to have the discussion about how USC just played a top 10 team on the road really tough? Or are we going to have a discussion about how USC shouldn't be having moral victories when they're 10-point underdogs because they shouldn't be 10-point underdogs in the first place? I think the answer to all of that is yes. Okay. Um, I, I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for the team in general because, yeah, I, I think in normal circumstances, you look at this game, SC losing 30-27 to to a team that is coming off of a, of a playoff berth, a team like Notre Dame, who is number nine in the country in the AP poll, uh, and you look at SC at three and two, uh, coming in with a with essentially a backup quarterback to start the season, right? And they lose thirty to twenty seven, a game in which they didn't die, a game in which they 
gave it their all and all that stuff. And it should be a game which you're completely fine with. But, like you said, uh, this is a game that played out like so many USC games before. And so that's why I don't think you can sit here and be like, oh, it's a moral victory. And I don't think you can sit here and be like, oh, but, you know, bad referee calls, you know, really gave Notre Dame three free points because of the roughing the passer call on Pallier Naoteote. Like, true as that may or may not be, and then the P.I. call on the Tyler Vaughns on third down, there was another one in, in the end zone that ended up with, with a field goal instead of a touchdown. Like, all that stuff. Whether or not that's true doesn't fix the problems that that SC that you saw with SC in this game, which was the offensive line performance was mediocre. Um, SC relied on its players to make plays down the stretch. I will give the coaching some credit in this game. Um, you know, they had one bad quarter. SC outplayed Notre Dame in every quarter but the second quarter. Do you agree with that? Um, I I don't disagree with it. I think okay. it may maybe maybe you're going a little we, bit too we, far. We can on call it, the fourth think... quarter a toss up. Yeah, but they outplayed Notre Dame in the first and the third. Would yes. you agree with that? I would agree with that, and I think okay. I think it's a it's a push in the fourth. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's just say that. I think it is a testament to USC's players and the coaching staff that they didn't mail it in after the second quarter. Yes. But you don't get credit when you're USC and you're three and two and these are the same issues that you see over and over and over and over and over again because you maybe made adjustments and got things going in the second half of this game and you scored 24 points in the second half and you look pretty good in the second half and you average like eight yards of play in the second half and, and you look good. You you don't get the same credit you would get for that as if you did that in the first quarter and did it the entire game. Yeah, if this were year one, maybe you get that credit. But sure, you don't yeah. get that credit now. And and frankly, like I want to go back to the idea that this is a moral victory for you know what this is a moral victory? This is a moral victory if USC is ranked number eleven. Sure. If USC has gone through this season looking like they have a pulse and looking like they are they have legitimately made the changes that, that were promised and they go into the season in, into this game and it's a top it, you know it's a highly ranked uh, matchup in a, in a in a historic rivalry game and they play Notre Dame to a three-point loss on the road then you look at it and you say you know what no that's USC playing tough that's USC giving Notre Dame a battle you want to win but you still took a battle the fact that USC came into this game as a 10-point underdog and then put in that performance just makes me more angry because they should be the top 10 team, the top 15 team that's going to Notre Dame and having a, you know, a, a, a heavyweight cage fight. But instead, USC goes into this game a 10-point underdog, no one believes in them, and they put in a performance that we know they can do because they have heart and they have fight and they go out there and the individual players, like you said, you feel for the players. Amon Ross St. Brown plays his heart out. Hell of a game for him. Marquis yeah. Stepp plays his heart out. Slovis looks great. Slovis plays his heart out. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, the, the defensive backs in general, I thought Isaac Taylor Stewart, Chris Steele, Greg Johnson, um, uh, Elijah Griffin, they all put in a, put in a shift there are guys out there playing their hearts out, and they are able to put in that performance. But ultimately, when, you, when you're when you a 10-point underdog and you cover, and it's like a, wow, USC covered on the road, how far has your expectation level fallen that you're taking this as a more, like, that you're taking this as, a, as, a, as, as anything positive for USC? No, this... The positives you can glean from this are all born out of lowered expectations. Right. If they were 5-0, and oh, it's a different story. Yes. Yeah, if, if, if it would be a completely different story because I do feel bad um, in the sense of – I feel bad and I don't feel bad because these are the same issues that we've seen so many times well, can and I, times can I read again. You a, but can I read you a tweet really go quick? Go ahead, read it. Uh, I got a tweet from at Von Blaze who says the first game of the year it was keeping contained, poor tackling, QB breakdown runs, giving up big plays, stupid mental mistakes – it is not better any six. It's not any better six games in. Can Clay Hilton not see it? Is he in denial? He is wasting these intelli- incredibly talented players. Like 
But th- that li- that list of, of problems that USC has, six games in, we're right. having th- th- right. it's yeah. the same so problems. One hundred percent. So like, I can sit here and say that I feel bad in the sense that SC averaged six point one yards per play. They ran 70 plays. Keaton Slovis had a passer rating of 148.6. He didn't turn over the ball. Marquis Stepp averaged 8.2 yards per carry. Amara St. Brown had 8 catches for 112 yards. All of those stats you would have taken in a heartbeat before the game, right? And you shouldn't lose the game with those stats. 100%, right? You hold Ian Book to a passer rating of 106? You should not lose the game. No. The problem is you give up 308 yards on the ground yes. by giving up edge rushes Yep. and quarterback scrambles. So, yep. so what, I mean, what, what more is there to say? What more is there to say? We have literally said everything we can about this team. By the way, Chase Claypool, if you, like, I know you're looking at the stats right now. I know you are probably. I, I can't can, see your I screen. See, I can see his stats, yes. If you had to guess without, and like I know you're looking at them right now, so you know how many yeah. catches and, and yards he had. But if you had to guess and you didn't know, how many yards and catches would you say he had? I would have remembered the one catch that he had early because it was that one catch that made me realize, oh, Chase Claypool is actually playing today. I would have thought that he would have had, you know, six, eight, six, seven, eight catches well, for like leading, 80 yards. He's their leading receiver on the season. They held him to three catches for 47. And yes. when he when he caught passes, he looked like a stud doing it, right? Yeah. But SC held the, the, the passing attack of Notre Dame in check, 165 yards. But yet all of this stuff comes in hand with giving up 308 yards. And it, it's a game in which SC goes down 20 to three. They crawl all the way back, almost slightly. Uh, they're down three points. In that with, sense, very UW. Yeah, very Washington they're down, again. They're down by two, two, two touchdowns. Uh, Notre Dame could have made this game a blowout if they would have mm-hmm. bookended the half with touchdowns. But the defense they, holds them. They bookended the half with field goals. And because of that, the defense played well in the third quarter to give USC a, a shot. And to Keaton Slovis's credit... He brought SC back in the third and the fourth quarter, which again, I, I think at this point I'm I'm at the point where I'm feel comfortable saying Keen Slovis might have won the Washington well, game. And I think that we're what we see in this game, I don't know if this was partly them learning from the Washington game, which is slightly encouraging, or the whole like you're saying Keaton Slovis might have beat won the Washington game. But this was actually a pretty decent if they could just cut out the big mistakes that stop them from scoring touchdowns. And if they'd gotten lucky a couple times with PIs or whatever, um, I actually really liked the balance of this offense because they ran the ball 35 times. They threw the ball 35 times. And you could see late in that game in that second half that Keaton had more opportunities because Notre Dame had to pay attention to the run. They had to to they bit on a play action in order for for Keaton Slovis to score the touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown. So you could see the balance of the offense actually for once coming together. And that is, you know, a positive that you can glean from it. But that, I think, helps Keaton a lot. And if USC is able to do that going forward, if they're able to clean up some stuff, then you can see where Keaton can command this offense extremely well. I agree with you. I think Keaton looks like the guy. He absolutely proved he is the guy for me uh, in this game. I I think what's frustrating is that, this performance in this game, 92% of it was what you wanted to see. The The two glaring things are you didn't score more points in the first quarter. Yes. SC and we played all well enough to, to score more than three points in Every, that quarter. Everyone who watched that game knew USC is going to regret not scoring points on these drives. 100%. They, scored, they should have scored more than just three points on those first three drives. And number two... They shouldn't have given up 308 rushing yards. And they give up a 51-yard run. Right. Those two things. You fix those two things, SC wins this game by, yeah. I don't know, a touchdown, maybe double digits? Yeah, you 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 take out the 51-yard run, and the defense doesn't look great, but you're in the, you're in the game. Right, like, but those are the, the things One play. that we've seen last year, yes. the year before, yeah. this year, and those are the things that end up... Sitting you in this position They're to be of- where you like, I can't accept this performance by USC 
even if it's 92% satisfactory, Because right? that 51-yard touchdown is part of USC's identity. 100%. It's a, it's a misdirection sweep to the – what was it, a reverse uh, to the outside where he – where uh, Lindsey just basically outpaces Christian Rector – to the edge, which I don't blame. Like Christian Rector can't possibly keep up there. Maybe he but, can take a better angle. But his angle, job, but- like like Trent, our our Renatory contributor, our great friend Trent, he like he said, like Christian Rector's job is to steer him back inside. And if he can't do that, then he's in the then he's being played in the wrong position. Right, yeah. and he ends up being you know beat out there. And we yeah. we saw Christian Rector hung out to dry on the very first drive of the game. Yes, he was in, as a quarterback spy, and he lets. Ian Book well, run by him for a again, long game. Why is Christian Rector the spy there? Who knows? Like, like I know Christian Rector's athletic, but like that is asking for trouble. There was no way Christian Rector is going to be able to match Ian Book athletically in in that position. He's not that dude. So why are you asking him to do that job? And like I felt, I mean, again, Christian Rector had an awful first quarter. Uh, he he had a really really awful start to this game. He got better as the game went on. But you just look at some of these players, and it, I don't know how much of it is USC is putting them in awful positions, or they're just not good enough. But Christian, I mean, some a lot of these, a lot of veteran guys, Christian Rector, John Houston, um, you just look at them and go like, man, you're, this is a struggle right now, buddy, and and it's not helping the team. Yeah, it, it was one one of the weirdest performances. Uh, in the sense that, again, like there's so many things that you can look at it and say, yeah, you would take that from USC. But when given the entire context of everything, it just it ends up not being a good enough. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about this game uh, in just a minute. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. We want to talk about a couple of good things, a couple of bad more things in this game before we talk about some greater takeaways. Uh, a couple of good things. Marquis Step looked incredible. 10 carries, 82 yards, an average of 8.2 yards per play. He had a couple of plays where he's literally carrying dudes down the field, refusing to get tackled. He looked good. Uh, we, we've talked before that, and, you know, this came from our pal Trent again, that, like, SC tends to run better when they're running up the middle because they just tell the linemen, we're just going to block forward. And when you block forward and you don't make it difficult, they tend to do their job and it works out. And, and so, like, that's the hypothesis for why, you know, Marquis Step has gotten better blocking than Stephen Carr and Vi Malapai, which ends up making him look in the stat column like he's a better running back when we've talked about it and we think that all three are kind of about the same level. But in this game, I think that Marquis Step made the step, made, made the step. He, he did take the step. Uh, he made the case for why A, he gets the best blocking and B, he actually is the best running back given his ability to get extra yardage. We saw him on a third and one get hit in the black backfield and then he turns around and he gets a first down. We saw him at the goal line. He gets hit at like the three yard line. He drags dudes into the end zone. We saw him on a, like a second down run in, in the fourth quarter where he like drags four dudes. Like he did everything you want to see in this game and more. Mind you, he only had 10 carries. Graham Harold talked about it after the game. He could have gotten more, but he was a little bit winded. Uh, you know, Marquis Step himself said that he was winded. So maybe they're using him as much as they can, but they're getting the most out of him possible. Um, being that you, given that he had 82 yards. See, I don't mind the running back rotation where if you're going to run the ball 30 plus times, then get each of them 10 carries in in the area of, and I think that that's what they did again today. 10 carries for Marquis Step, eight carries for Vi Malapai, nine carries for Stephen Carr. I don't mind this at all, but in this game. Stephen uh, Marquis Step was the dude. He was running with just just something else, something else. Maybe it was being in front of his family, whatever it was. He was just a monster out there, and I think he probably warranted some more carries. But I, I would argue not more carries at the expense of any of the other running backs, but just more carries in general. Because run the ball forty times, just go for it. Uh, but Marquis Step, I, I think the thing that, you know, we all knew he was a powerful running back. And talking to Mike Jinks, he, his point has always been Marquis Step is not a power back. 
he is a running back and he needs to be the complete running back. And I think the thing that stood out to me the most against Notre Dame is not just the way that he was powering through guys, but the way he was hitting a hole, being decisive and 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 just that was what set him apart from, say, Stephen Carr or Vimalapai, guys who I think USC is more apt to use on the outside, and thus they have to be a little bit more patient with their reads to to let a play develop in front of them. When Marquis Step is put out there and they're having him run straight ahead, he just picks a hole and goes, and he barrels through it like a bullet. And you could see on a couple other plays with Vi and with Carr in the similar blocking scheme, that straight ahead sort of blocking scheme, they hesitate. They sort of wait a second and then the gap closes. And I think that's where Step was perfectly suited to to what USC's offensive line actually does well, which, like you said, is is the just, you know, block straight ahead and, and open a hole. So Marquis Step absolutely made his case for more running. Um, but at the same time, you know, he he averaged 8.2 yards per carry. Vi averaged 5.8 yards per carry. Carr averaged 4.9 yard per, yards per carry. I don't think USC can go wrong with any of the running backs, but they do need to be more willing to ride the hot hand. I, I would have liked to see them say, you know what, Step's having a game, so let's just go with him. Just like you could have said in, in, against Washington, Carr's having a game, so just let him go. Um, the, the, a willingness to do that, I would definitely be supportive of. And I think, um, where Marquis Step has really, you know, climbed the ladder here is he started out clearly behind Vi and Carr in, in the pecking order. I think this is an absolutely a three man rotation now. And Marquis Step should be a featured part of it based on the way he ran, uh, because he was just outstanding straight up. Yeah. You really can't go wrong with any of USC's running back. It's a... It's an embarrassment of riches in terms of the talent that USC has at running back and at wide receiver. Uh, I, I guess you can throw a quarterback in there with how many quarterbacks we've seen, uh, even though Keaton Lewis looks like the best guy uh, that we've seen thus far, which, which is maybe unfair to JT because we only saw him for slightly under a half, right? But, but uh, I would like to bring up some, uh, not to cut you off, but I would like to bring up something. Keaton Slovis... Completes 24 of 35 passes for 250 yards, two touchdowns, a passer rating of 148.6. And yet I still have people telling me, like in my mentions on Twitter, that, you know, everything would be better for USC if they just had JT. And I'm looking at it going, like, what is Keaton doing that we expect JT to have done that much better? Right. I I just, I don't think it makes a difference. I think Keaton is doing a hell of a job. Yeah, JT might win the the, the BYU game because he doesn't throw one of those two picks early on in the game. But, like, I don't necessarily think that that makes this team a better team. Yes. Like like we've said, like, even if if you play out that argument, and I'm not saying this is the right argument. I'm just saying for, for devil's advocate that you play out the argument that JT would have been healthy and JT is the quarterback for this this team and they go 5-0. They're not a better team going no. into this game. Uh, and I think that you can sit there and lie to yourself uh, that they are a good team. And I think that that you can you can sit there and not have to improve the things that they need to improve, not have to focus on the things that you need to focus on. Mind you, USC isn't actually fixing a lot of the issues. I mean, <laughs> no. in this game, they only have two penalties. They don't turn the ball over. So give them credit for that at least they they didn't make those glaring mistakes but they still have not shored up the special teams miscues special team is miscues the second quarter is i feel bad for ben griffiths oh they they left okay ben griffiths has got a lot of stick this season right rightfully so in a lot of cases he did his part they let him out he should have had three or four pinned punts inside the 10 yard line at the goal line, even. One of them especially egregious. Oh, it, yeah. it, one of them was just pin perfect, and they weren't able to field it. Like, that's that's hanging your that's hanging your punter out to dry. And, and unfortunately, this is, you know, if you're John Baxter, you could certainly use this game as, a, as an argument for, see, this is why we don't try to get too close to that goal line. This is why we try to, you know, put it around the 15 instead of at the 5. Well, you know, when you're punt coverage team is that crappy apparently at, at fielding the ball then what can you do but um but either way it's the same problems the same special teams problems the same tackles uh, tackling problems the same edge defending problems and really if USC just tackle if the first if the second man tackles in the second quarter then USC gives up one less touchdown 
Yeah, isn't this really the most frustrating thing about USC tonight is that you can look at this game and, like I said, that 92% of it you, you're you're happy with. 92% of it you're at least okay with, right? The, the, you you had to have loved the performance you got out of Keaton Slovis. You had to have loved the performance you got out of the running backs. You had to have loved the performance you got out of Almiron St. Brown. A hell of a game from him. Eric Cromanhoek, five catches. Hey, my bu- my boy the uh, tight end. Talano Hufanga making plays. Uh, John Houston looked good at times. Uh, the the defensive line was was hit or miss. They obviously gave up 309 rushing yards, so you don't want to give them too much credit. A lot of that came inside where USC had been so strong all season long. Um, which was weird. Which which was weird, and which was completely on them because if they're if they shore up the middle there, that completely changes things too. It, it wasn't just that SC was gashed on the perimeter; they're really gashed at where their strength is on the defensive line, which is absolutely a problem. It shows some weakness there. Um, so again, there's so many things to, to take away, and yet that's the frustrating part: is that you can see all this good in this team. And yet you can't finish off these games. No, because this team is... Like, I, I don't think it's crazy. And it's this sounds ridiculous knowing the situation. But, like, if this team was just, you know, you fit... Like, Clay Elton, I know he's going to say on the conference call that this team is, like, a few plays away from being 6-0. Yes. And it's going to sound ridiculous. But is he wrong? But uh, see, but this like, is the like, problem. isn't that the frustrating part? Like, if this team was just slightly coached better, they would be six and zero. Half of what Clay they Helms would says. be a team that could be very good. Half but they're not, and that's not... why you end up sitting here like, what the hell? And that you know this team needs to make all these changes. Well, half of what Clay Helton says is kind of true. It's just applied to the wrong things. And yes, this team is a few plays away from being six and zero. But why are they? Why are the? Why is it the same plays? Right. The same scenarios. If if it's the same thing over and over again, then it's something you're not doing. It's not just luck going against you. It's something you are not doing. USC can't claim to be unlucky at this point. I mean, we could talk about how the refs screwed USC over. I think they screwed USC over. But USC lets the refs screw them over by not taking care of business in all the other facets of the game. Right. Yeah. And and USC, you know, Clay, I was we were listening to the pregame uh, on uh, KBC. And they were in. Pete Arbogast was interviewing Clay Helton, and he was talking about. Um, uh, Pete asked about the road record, why the road record is so bad, and Clay t- goes into this tangent, th- this this monologue about how it's a young team and they need to learn how to win on the road and all that. It's like, but dude, you can't claim that you have a young team when you had the young team this year and last year and the year before that and the year before that. You've always been bad on the road. You can't claim that it's this team is young. No, right. all of your teams have allegedly been young. All of your teams have had young players that you've needed to call up that doesn't give you the excuse to say this team is young and that's why they're losing these games no this team is losing these games because this is who this team is this is part of their identity their identity is to give up the 51 yard touchdown on a reverse sweep to the outside their identity is to fail to score in the first quarter when their defense is playing really well their identity is to you know not win the turnover battle not get the key turnover when they need it their identity is to not run the ball when you feel like they should be running the ball their identity is to have you know a drop here when it's really important or a miss block there when it's really important or have the quarterback get blitzed untouched and and blown up on a third down like this is part of USC's identity so the excuses don't they they you know Clay isn't pulling things out of his out of his behind when he says these things. There is some truth to it, but it's a false truth. Right. Yeah. And and I mean, you you look at this game. You look at you look at every game this season, and the the whole thing about the, the this is a young team drives me insane because this is a young team. Okay. Well, let, let's let's talk this out. Uh, let's talk about the young positions on this team. The secondary is the secondary problem. The secondary no. is the best. That was the best part of the defense today. I mean, that was the thing. The is, secondary held Ian Book to a pass rating of one hundred and six point eight. You take that, and it wasn't necessary in the first quarter. It was in part because the defensive front was and and the blitz packages that Clancy was bringing were all making Ian Book uncomfortable. But after that first quarter, Book wasn't really pressured that much. So it, yeah. it did come down to the to the defense. It's an OG have been plays. great. Yes. Absolutely, but this is the problem is USC needed that defensive front to be elite, 
And they weren't in this game because they faced a truly good offensive line and they pretty much, you know. But the secondary came to play and those were the young guys. And those are the young guys. But, right. the, but the veterans now, and now linebacker, look, the veterans on the defensive line, they yeah. were the ones who were all meh. And look at look at the offense. Uh, who are your young guys on offense? The quarterback. The quarterback. Did fine. Com- one of your best players in the entire game. Yeah. Keaton Slovis. Marquis Stepp, Redford did, freshman. 100%. The guys on the offensive Amon line. Amon St. Brown, true sophomore. All the guys in the offensive line are in year three or four. Yes. So, um... Your offensive line is not young. No. You don't get to say that Brett Nealon is young. No. He's not. And he's the youngest guy on that on that offensive line. Right. It, it, it would be one thing if it was just the secondary letting them down. If it was just the quarterback letting yeah. them down. And, yeah, you can make the argument that the quarterback let them down at BYU and Washington... But those games are not close if the offensive line does their job, if the defensive line does their job, if the linebackers do their job, if everyone else picks up those guys because you're expecting the young guys to have mistakes, that's not a big deal. But those young guys are easy to point the finger when everything else goes wrong too, and then you you sit in a situation where it's easy to sit here and say, oh, this is a young team. Well, they're not a young team. They're not. No, no, and and in fact, the veterans are the are the ones who are the, the weak links. And most, like you said, the offensive line, Christian Rector was a weak link tonight. He's a veteran. John Houston is a continual weak link. He's a veteran. Like, you don't get to. I don't know. You just don't get to use that excuse. And that's that's the thing that frustrates me is that there's a lot of excuse making. Um, and uh, and th- we we always we joke about like a Clay Hilton bingo card that we need to make we've been joking about it for a year now that we should make a Clay Hilton bingo card but like you listen to his post game comments and the Clay Hilton bingo card you know both teams fought hard um the you know USC still controls their own destiny um they just didn't take advantage of uh they they left some points on the field all the same things are there and it's just very it's just very <sighs> Very, it's just annoying. It's again, we're at the point where I just don't, I don't, I don't know what more there is to say about this team except for looking at all the trends of, of like for instance, before the game, um, Colin Cowherd pointed out that USC has the longest streak in the country of not winning the turnover battle. So tonight, Keaton Slovis doesn't have an interception. There are no fumbles for USC. So in general, they, the ball security was good compared to previous games. But USC still is neutral in the turnover battle. It's still zero to zero. And that's including that weird kickoff fumble that the Notre Dame guy should have scored a kickoff <laughs> return touchdown, but instead right. he decided to just drop the ball at midfield. Yep. And USC wasn't able to, also, to capitalize Drake on Drake London that. recovered a fumble. And Drake London recovered a fumble. <laughs> yeah. The, the first, time, first time ever that, that Drake London was involved in a play that saved the turnover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so USC is, is is neutral. That means it's 17 straight games where USC doesn't win the turnover battle. And frankly, when you're trying to pull off an upset on the road against the number time team number nine team in the country, you kind of do have to win the turnover battle in order to have things go your way. And USC is just not capable one way or the other. Like we love the defense. I think that the defense gives you a lot of reasons to root for them, but they're not. Oh, you hold on, hold on. This is a car cast development. Hey, I said last week. That it's the defense is not the big problem on this team. Did you? But I they, don't remember this. I did. I don't. I know your dad is listening right now, and he's saying he doesn't oh, remember you saying what anything. I said last week. Still holds this week. If your defense is able to hold Notre Dame one more time, if they are that little bit bit better, and you win this I game. remember sitting in our Seattle Airbnb yeah. and you getting on here and just bitching about the defense. I did bitch about the defense because they deserve to be bitched about. The defense deserves to be bitched about again tonight, along with the offense. Both sides of this ball are, are well, letting I, this team down. I think that's the frustrating part about this game for USC is that if the defense stops book on third down. If we, okay, hold on. We, we, like we started. If, if each side just does one, one, has one drive finished differently, they win the USC game. USC wins the game, yes. Yeah, 100%. But again, we're, we're, we're now talking about lowered expectations. Can you imagine looking at a Pete Carroll coach defense and saying, and, and having something like the Rod Index applying to them where you know they're going to give up 25 points? By the way, I, I have a new suggestion. So, our, our friend Richard, uh, you know, who's in the, the rock crew, beloved Richard, he goes to all of our meetups. We, we, we love you, Richard. But he is now on on our Slack uh, known as the Richard Killer of the Rod Index. Because he is the killer of the he Rod Index. He is the killer of the Rod Index. But 
I've thought about it. I tweeted this uh, on on Saturday night, tonight, that USC's Lawler's Law is basically like 30 points, but isn't it 28 points? So instead well, of because the, they it, don't score 28 points, yes. Yeah, but, but the first team to 28 points has won every game this year for USC, right? And Fresno State didn't score 28, so SC scored 28 first. Uh, the Stanford game, SC scored 28 first. Uh, the BYU game, BYU scored 28 points in overtime. Yeah. Uh, what was the next game? Utah, only SC scored 28 points, so they scored it first. Washington, they SC, I mean, Washington gets to exactly 28 points. Oh, yeah, points. 28, yeah. And tonight, Notre Dame puts the game away by getting to 28 points to get to 30 with the touchdown at the end of the game, right? Yeah. 28 is the Lawler's law for USC. Okay, no. Is that should we just call it the Rot Law? Okay, Instead the, of the Rot Index, is it the Rot Law? Oh, 28 points, that's it. I am here for 28 points is the Rot Law, but but can we stop for a moment and acknowledge how mediocre this the Rot Law is? The oh, Rot is. Law sure. is mediocre sure. to the max and that we sure. that this is a trusted calculation that is actually considered and and like based in fact is depressing as all hell we are talking about a team that can't score 28 points and can't hold teams to 20 set to 25 points and thus they lose games yeah because in theory if sc was a great team then the first team to 20s wins yes yes if sc was a great team then then you could trust them to score 30 points or you could trust their defense to sc- there should be a 10 point margin your defense should in theory if your defense holds teams to 20 points or less you're good and, and your offense scores 30 points or more you're going to be really elite maybe not even really elite but you're going to be quite good but usc is is averaging is, is doing that thing again where it's averaging like 29 points on offense and 28 points on defense and that's why it's three and three. Like, when you're like that, you're going to be three and three. Uh, in just a minute, we'll be right back. So I, I, I want to ask you about the rest of the season. We, we talked about it before the season. The first six games were the tough part. Uh, I predicted USC would go three and three in the first six games. They are three and three. Uh, mind you, I said that they would... Uh, lose to Utah and beat BYU. They ended up beating Utah and losing to BYU. So those two are, are swapped. So they're, but so they're in better position than you predicted because they have that Utah win. Is because that correct? In the, in the conference, yes. yes. In the conference, yes. But but they're, they have the same overall record. You said they would be 4-2 and two at this point, uh, but they are 3-3. Three and three. Here they are. Going forward, we, we talked about it last week that or a couple weeks ago that you know, as ridic- again, as ridiculous as the things that Clay Helton says, so much of it is, like, slightly true, which makes it even more frustrating, right? Like, the idea that he he said that in, in the conference call that he got on the, the plane and he was more confident in his team to win the conference than before, like, that's, that's something you should never say in a conference call after a 14-point loss on the road. Yeah. Ever. At the same point, I think you and I had the conversation. I don't know if we had the conversation on the pod or, or off the pod. SC, uh, SC proved that they could play with Washington, and no team is worlds better than Washington. So at that point, they proved they can play with anybody in the conference. So he's not necessarily wrong. It's just one of those things you shouldn't say, right? But yet, here we are, and I want to talk about Oregon. Oregon's coming on the schedule in a couple of weeks. SC goes on the road. Uh, sorry, plays Arizona next weekend for homecoming, goes on the road to Colorado, and then gets Oregon at the Coliseum at the beginning of November. I just want to read to you the score lines that Oregon has had the last five weeks. They've allowed six points, three points, six points, seven points, and three points. In the last five games, they've allowed one touchdown. In the last, based on the broadcast last night, they it's been fifty five, maybe fifty seven now drives where they haven't allowed a touchdown. They're ranked third in well going into this weekend because the stats haven't updated yet. They were ranked third in so, scoring like, defense. That just tells you, like we're talking about okay. a, a Oregon, USC defense. Oregon, that, yeah, they average eight point seven points on defense given up, 
and 36 points on offense. That is what USC should be looking at. Right. Yeah. Wh- Even which, not which, eight. If, if USC's at 15, they're allowing 15 and 36. Right. So even, that's what USC even if, be. if we've said before that USC's defense would be satisfactory if they were Big 12 bad, if they were scoring, scoring 40 points, then Clancy Pendergast's defense would be fine. But USC is not doing that, which makes it an issue, right? And so you look at it and you're like, to, to cut USC slack and say that allowing 24 points is, is okay just seems asinine when you look at Oregon and they're like allowing three points to Colorado and yeah. seven to Cal and six to Stanford. An Oregon team, by the way, that, that watching that, again, watching that game last night, I was watching the game with a friend of mine who's an Oregon fan. He grew up in Oregon and so he likes the Ducks. And so he's he's semi semi knowledgeable about Oregon recruiting or about just like you know Oregon's uh, Oregon's recruiting versus USC. And so we're watching that game and we're now pointing out every single player that USC missed out on or passed on who went to Oregon. Their entire starting lineup, for the most part, with a, with a few exceptions, is those guys: Thomas Graham. Um, uh, the, their other, um, corner whose name I don't, I don't remember, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell, uh, all of these guys you're looking at going like USC either missed out on or straight up passed on the guys who are building this strong Oregon team. What does that say about you? That means you're either being bad talent evaluators or you're f- screwing up and recruiting. Like that's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. And this is what I want to sort of press here is that it sucks to come out of a game where USC actually played a top 10 team tough. Although I think that if we look at if we're being honest about Notre Dame, do you come out of this game being more or less impressed with Notre Dame? I think Notre Dame's a top 20 team. I think Notre Dame is is number 15. I think they will finish the season at number 15. But to to their credit, I think that they're good. I, I they're think not that great. They're not elite right now. I think Oklahoma, um, sorry, uh, Alabama and Clemson are one and two easily in any order. It doesn't matter to me. The next two Oklahoma, are, who gives up nineteen points to their opponents and scores fifty three. Yeah. So Alabama and Clemson are one and two. Alabama, who... o- o- Oklahoma, and and Ohio State are three and four. And then from five to twenty, all those teams are the same to me. Yeah. Right. All of them. The 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 good, not greats. The, right. the non the non realistic players. Your LSU's, teams. your Texas's, your your well, Notre uh, Dame's, your Georgia's, they're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. They're all sort of but USC should be in like at worst USC, USC should, should be, be in that, that group. Mix. Yes. One hundred percent. They shouldn't be looking at Notre Dame as this unbeatable foe that's that wow, we can't believe we and got within three points. Prove of them. that they aren't. Yes, because yes. they are they should they they can be. Because SC can be can in be that on, tier, yes. but they're not. But yes. they're not. Yes, because, exactly. Because they're they're held back because they haven't been able to correct the mistakes that put them in. And that's a U.S. Another battle. tier. Yeah, yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. All right. Have we said enough? I, I feel uh, like I don't know what else there is to say There's about nothing more to say. I mean, unless you want to talk about the score of the Arizona-Washington game. 17-13. Arizona. We're watching this. Arizona is, is up on Washington. 17-13. This Washington team that was so strong when USC went to Seattle and like only lost by two touchdowns. Like, oh wow, but, good, good job, good effort, by the guys. Way, but, but by the way, can you imagine what Khalil Tate's going to do to USC on the edge this year? Because I do <laughs> not want to watch that. So I, I, I want to ask you our rating on that. Straight up, straight up. SC went three and three in the first half. Both of us predicted. That SC would go eight and four on the season. As it stands now, how do you feel about that eight and four? I feel very uncomfortable because I look at the rest of the season and I don't see any clear wins. Unless we're talking about UCLA. Are you serious? You don't see clear wins? I don't see any given wins unless we're talking about UCLA and it's a rivalry game and you always say throw the records out, right? I think if SC played like they did against Notre Dame, then they should beat every team save for Oregon. Arizona. Khalil Tate scares me. Uh, they're going to score fifty points on Oregon, uh, on Arizona. Are Ari- they? Arizona's defense is trash. Are they? Are they going to score fifty <laughs> points on Arizona, Michael? They should. Well, should and will okay. are two different things. Kate, fair. That is one hundred. I'll give Thank you that. You. I'll, okay. I'll give you that. At Colorado on a Friday night, Stephen Montez, Lavisca Chenault, 
uh, Mustafa Johnson, Nate Landman, good players. I, I give you that, but SC should still win that game. Colorado played Oregon tough for as as long as USC played Notre Dame. Colorado tough. played Oregon tough. They I, lost by forty two points. Yeah, but they played them tough early in that game. Oh, whoop de woo. Yeah. Okay. Colorado's got a pulse. Uh, Oregon. Yeah, that's uh, Oregon at this point is Notre Dame. Yeah. Right, like that—that's the game. If you, if if you're close, that's fine. In a vacuum, yeah. in in the entire context, it's not okay. Okay, at Arizona State, Arizona State is very medium. See, here's but the they're thing. good. I, like, I, I was telling you, and I was I was I was telling Jake this, and the the thing about Arizona State is that like, I don't think Arizona State is particularly great at anything. But they're but, medium. Like, but, 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 but. And as much as I lambasted them for hiring Herm Edwards, they play a million close games and they win a lot of those close games. They are very well clock managed. They are they are very well coached on the little on the little doing the little things. Yeah. And they do those little things well, and they play a million close games, and they're not going to be rattled by those close games. And because of that, they can win any game on their schedule because of that, right? Yes. And so, it, like to me, the most redeeming thing about ASU is that they're well-coached. Yeah. Which is weird to me, because if you would have told me that I would have said that 18 months from now, I mean, 18 months ago, I would have laughed in your face. Right, but they have. They also have Jaden Daniels, and they have Eno Benjamin, and I think they have, again, it's like Arizona, it's like Colorado. There are good players there that could burn USC, especially on right. the road. But again, if SC plays like they did against Notre Dame, for them, I mean, save for if the three hundred yard performance here, on, on, here's, on the here, ground. But that's the problem. If SC plays against like they did against Notre Dame against everyone else on their schedule, they're going to win some and they're going to lose some because they're going to have the night. They're going to play well, but they're going to have the killer mistakes, and it's going to depend on what killer mistakes the other teams take advantage of. So Cal, that defense. I don't trust USC's offense to score on them. I don't trust USC's defense to hold Cal to much, especially because Cal by then, maybe they get Chase Garbers back. Not that he's great, but right. like maybe they're, they have a pulse. And then UCLA again, like I said, USC should absolutely, you know, romp over UCLA, but it's a rivalry game and USC lost to that team last year. So who the heck knows? So my, again, I, I, I go through these and I see a lot of reasons to lose. Now, I, USC should, in theory, should. Beat Arizona, beat Colorado, lose to Oregon, beat ASU, lose to split ASU and Cal, and beat UCLA. So I think that leaves me with the same record as I predicted. Which, well, that would be seven and five. Okay, seven and five. And I, I, I think on the back half, going four and two should be like, if it was just the back half and you didn't look at the front half, four and two on the back half, I think is okay. Yeah. Uh, that makes seven and five, which is not okay. In the context of what this team is, we need right. to couch all of sure. these in. It is what? sad as all hell that we're having these discussions right. about how seven and five is okay. It, no, it's not okay. It, it's like seven and five is is you know better than five and seven. This is true. Sure, factual but, statement. Right, but like if if Clay Hilton wants to win his job, he's got to win out. Does USC win the South? They going seven and five. So if they go seven and I five, I, mean, I don't it, think they do because I think Utah wins. Utah looks like they're not going to lose another game. Yeah, that's, that's the problem there. And if Utah doesn't lose another game, then Utah, SC needs to win out. A Utah team that holds opponents to four point four points and scores thirty one point four points. Yeah, let's just end there. <laughs> Nothing. No, more I'm, to say. I'm I'm just saying like Utah USC needs Arizona State to beat Utah, and Cal. Or well, they got they got Cal in Washington too, so it could get interesting. But they need you. I mean, it's it the Pac-12 South, the controlling your own destiny in the Pac-12 South thing only goes so far as you can take it. Like you need to win all those games. Then controlling your own destiny means that you have to beat Arizona and Colorado, and ASU and UCLA. And you can't lose both of those. You I mean you you can't lose. If you lose to Oregon and Colorado and uh, Cal, then you are putting yourself in serious danger because now you need Utah to lose three game, two more games. Right. All I know is I have a one percent chance of beating Dave from Orange County in fantasy this week, as it stands right now. It could happen. <sighs> okay, JB. Uh, <laughs> I am down fifty points. 
50 points. Hey, Khalil Tate's going to go off in that second half. I have Khalil Tate and uh, Salvin Ahmed from Washington. They're both playing against each other. If this game turns into a shootout and both of those guys score every touchdown, I might have a chance. But it's well, okay. it looks like Washington just scored and it wasn't They did. Ahmed. It's, it's, it's 20-17. It was not Ahmed. He got them close, though. But Yeah. Anyways, that's going to wrap up the uh, the CarCast. Thanks for listening, as always. You guys are awesome. By the way, Alicia, give me your three favorite things from today. Give it to me. Positive thoughts here. Uh, positive thoughts. Um, Jake made me a Tom Collins. Yeah, Jake from excellent. the What's Show came over. It was great. We, we love Jake so much. Yeah. We had tacos. With, tacos uh, are great. You made the chicken. I made the yeah. rajas. Uh, it was very, very... They were all very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's two. Um... And <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool hanging out with Jake. Uh, cool hanging out with me? That's uh, cool hanging out with you. It's cool uh, hanging out with you and Jake. I don't know. He said Jake, but yeah. all right. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll catch you guys later. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Random Troy. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Bonus episodes are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Troy. Email address Troy at fansad.com. Send us your emails and send us your calls. 213-373-1USC Second What's Born Show. Give us your calls before our uh, our uh, Fallout episode which we'll record on Monday night and that will be up on Tuesday uh, until then we will see ya Lisa final word the final word is see ya okay that really <laughs> no that didn't work uh, sure see ya see ya What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.